lying down, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're having a great time. And then, oh boy, halfway down the hill, little Amea Gurink was just standing there looking at the beautiful stars up in the sky like this, just enjoying her night out on the sledding hill. And this big old tube was coming straight for her. I mean, this thing is just flying. And Amea's looking up, the tube's going down, and I realize what's about to happen. So I start running down the hill as fast as I could. So I'm just running as fast as I can. After this big old tube, I can see Amea. Now, one thing I knew was that Amea, if, if you've seen her around here, she had just been wearing a sling because she had broken her collarbone. She had just the day, couple days before, gotten rid of her sling for a broken collarbone. And these thoughts of what Dawn might think about seeing this gigantic tube flying down at Amea. And I gave this big push. I, there's no way around. I was the one responsible. So I'm running as fast as I can. And there's nothing that could happen. That tube hit Amea square, right, like right at about the knees. And I could just see this. It's just like in slow motion, her feet went straight to the heavens. And her head went straight towards the ground. And the little girls on the tube had no idea what just happened. They had no idea. They were just flying through. And they kept right on going. And Amea was doing one of these numbers. And I'm running just as fast as I can. I'm like, what is going to happen here? I get down there and, Amea, I still don't think she knows what happened. Because she landed. And it was that nice, soft, fluffy snow. And she's not, there's hardly anything to that little girl. So she just kind of landed and just kind of rolled off of it. And what just happened? Well, I don't know, Amea. I think a tube hit you. Um, actually, I knew what happened, I, and I apologized. I just, you know, checked her out. You know, are you okay? Are you okay? And, of course, she was fine. And, 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 but it, it was one of those moments where, like, man, life was, at least for those moments, completely out of control. This tube, which I, had, I was partially responsible, definitely, definitely responsible for, I had helped put this thing in motion, but I had started something, and I was no longer in control of what was happening. And, and maybe you can relate to that just a little bit, in that at some point in time, maybe somewhere in the past, you felt like you sort of had control of your life. Like you could, you could sort of see how things were going, and you, you put things in motion, and you're thinking like, this is going to work out okay. And then you got partway through your, your, your slide down the hill, and you're like, I don't know if I'm really in charge as much as I thought I was. And maybe you're a little like a man. Maybe you've had the tube kind of come out from underneath you and your feet are straight up in the air and your head straight towards the ground. There's all kinds of things that can happen in our world, right? Where we are looking at what's going on around us and we say, I don't think this is the way that it was supposed to be, but here we are. Today we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 18. It's a story about how Moses had been basically going through his, his day and things were in motion, but now things are starting to look like they're starting to get out of control. And he has a very wise man. His father-in-law comes in. We're introduced a little bit more in depth to who Jethro is, his father-in-law. And we're going to find out what happens, how as much as Moses thought he had control and thought he knew what was to be doing. 
a person from outside of his system, outside of his, his place, was coming in and giving him some help and giving some direction. And he asked a very poignant question, a fantastic question, and it's the title of today's sermon, and we're going to get to it partway when we get through it. And the question that Jethro asked, and a, a question it might be good for us to ask when we look at our lives are, what are we really accomplishing here? What are we actually doing here? And maybe that's a question that would be good for all of us to ask. Ask of ourselves, ask of our hearts. So I'm going to go through this passage. We're going to look at Exodus 18. There's going to be three questions we're going to be asking about our hearts. What's going on in our hearts that might open our eyes to what God might be doing? If you have your Bible, you can turn to Exodus 18. One thing I'm going to suggest if you have a smartphone or tablet, you could use the YouVersion Bible app because I'm going to be sharing some verses out of the New Living Translation today. Now, there's lots of different translations of the Bible, and New Living probably takes a little bit more liberty than some, but I think sometimes different translations help us see things from a different perspective, see things in a new light, and helps open our eyes maybe to what was going on. And I think the New Living is a good one to look at today. So if you have the Version Bible and you go to events, you can see this morning's service right now. You can follow along in the New Living Translation. But go ahead and, and open to Exodus chapter 18. And we can read a few of these things that were going on. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, and the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming with you, coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. We'll be reading a little bit further along in here. But first, let's, let's set the stage for where we're going to get to that question that Jethro would, is about to ask. If you have a program this morning, you can fill in the blanks. The first blanks would be a thankful heart. To set the stage for what's about to happen, Moses' heart had to be in the right spot. He had to have a, a thankful heart for any of that we're about to see happen 
to actually work out for God's glory. So if you think back to the story, if I could fill in the blanks where we, how we got to this point, Moses and the people of Israel had just crossed the Red Sea. They had this amazing victory over the Egyptians. And then later on in chapter 17, there's a very amazing story. And we didn't, we didn't really even get into it, but it would be a great story for you to look at at some point. It's when Moses took on the Amalekites. And this is the, the story you might recall from Sunday school where to, to have the victory, Moses had to raise his hand with the staff. Do you remember that story? And he started getting tired, and so he started dropping his arms, and so the Israelites started losing. And then, so Joshua, or I think it was Joshua and um, Aaron, I think it was the two guys, I, I can't recall, but two men came alongside of him, held his arms up, and they had victory over the Amalekites that day, which is, it's a crazy cool story. It's really amazing. And Moses has had all these great things happening, and he, he's just excited about it. And I can sort of imagine... Jethro is who he sent his wife and kids to. Maybe it was a busy season. Maybe Moses knew, hey, this crossing of the Red Sea, this is not so good. I'm going to send my wife and the kids with Grandpa. We're going to get them away from here for just right now. And I'm, I'm sort of filling in the blanks a little bit there. But apparently his wife and kids were away. And now they're coming back with Jethro. They're coming back with Jethro. And it's... It's like a reunion. And maybe you can remember times like this where you're getting together with old friends, maybe family, maybe it's Thanksgiving time. And you're telling the story about how God did this remarkable thing. And Moses goes blow by blow through the story. And then, and then we crossed through the Red Sea. And the waters parted. And then we took it on the Amalekites. And, then and the water came from the rock. And we've been getting food every, like every single day. And the quail are coming in, and so they get done with all these stories, and they're swapping stories, and Jethro and, and Moses are having just a great time recounting all the things that God has done. And Jethro can't help but say, praise God. This is awesome. This is, this is great. I would say that one of the finest and best ways, if if our lives are to get closer to the place, if our hearts are supposed to get closer to being putting our feet back on solid ground and going to the right place and putting ourselves in the right perspective, the best way to start is with a thankful heart. The first question I would ask is, do we have thankful hearts this morning? If you were to look inside your heart right now and say, I am thankful and grateful for what is going on in my life right now today? Can you answer that in the affirmative? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Thankful in all circumstances. For right now, think of your circumstance. I would say if by reading this verse, we could be thankful. We are, are commanded, we're given direction to be thankful in the circumstance that we're in right now, to be thankful for it. That's a pretty big spectrum. 
I just read a story, and it was in the USA Today. It was just a, it was the, the most, uh, the happiest places or the most satisfied people in America. Which states have the most satisfied and happiest people in America? Did anybody else see that story? Maybe maybe you read the story. And what they found is, the most negative places to live have been staying the same. It's I guess it's been West Virginia, but there's a bunch of these states like over in. Formerly coal country, it's kind of the most negative places to be. And the happiest places to be are in the upper northern, uh, western Midwest. So like Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming. I guess those are the happiest places to be. And so it pointed out all these things. And it, so why is it happier? I suppose they have more money or they're just a better outlook on life or whatever. But one thing the article pointed out is across the board in America... People are less thankful. People are less hopeful. People are, in general, more negative now across the board than they were just a few years ago. Like, the same places are more positive and negative than each other. Like, if you equalize them to each other, there's some places that are more positive and more negative. But all of us are in a worse spot now than we were a few years ago, according to this study. And I don't know where exactly they found all this information, but I would say one of the things that I've seen in my own world is as we've gotten more aware of what's going on in our world around us, it is not made for a happier and better place. One of the things I've seen is with the advent of social media and our awareness of what people are posting it's made it much more difficult for us to be satisfied and thankful for what we have. We look at the Instagram posts of our friends, our, our acquaintances. We read the stories that are going on around us. And instead of, seeing, instead of seeing what God might be doing in our world, we're putting more time and attention into what other people are doing in our world. If we could take a page out of Moses' book, I think we... Much more thankful hearts because what did Moses do? Did he say, you wouldn't believe what my friends were doing around the camp? Was he pointing that out to Jethro? Was he pointing out, hey, you'll never believe all the great things I did. Let me show you my, my Instagram feed, Jethro. It's really cool, all the things. No, he's not doing that at all. What is he saying? He's saying, God did this. I was there when God did that. A very health, healthy exercise for all of us might be to look at our lives and say, what can I be thankful for today? In every circumstance, how can I be thankful for? And then fill in the blank with whatever that might be. At any time in our lives, there is something to be thankful for. The most depressing people that I've ever met have lost the ability to be thankful. Somehow something happened in their life where they lost the ability to give thanks. We've heard stories. I, I'm sure you've read them. We've read stories about people even, say, in the Holocaust, the worst times on life, that have found ways to somehow give thanks in those moments. What has happened to us? I would say a, a, a reality check might be, am I paying more attention to what's on my social media than what my God in and my Savior is telling me. Am I more aware of what people are writing in a, in a news 
paper or telling me on the radio than I am what God's word might be saying. If, if those things are getting out of line, I would say we're in, in, a, in a spot where it's going to be difficult to be thankful. So Moses recounts and tells of all the great things happening around there. Imagine the excitement that he must have felt that night. So they're, they're around the tent, they're cooking up the lamb, they're telling the stories, it's been a really good night, and it's really good to do those kinds of things. The next morning, however, Jethro got a more rounded out picture of what was going on. So what do our hearts strive for? That's the next line in your program. What do our hearts strive for? Exodus 18, starting with verse 13. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for all the people, he asked, What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around from morning until evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. Moses felt that he needed to be a judge for his people. So he would get up early in the morning, he would go in front of his tent or maybe to a certain location, and he would invite, or the people just knew, they would come to, to Moses and he would walk them through what God might declare and he would be their judge for what might go on. He felt, and in his heart, he's, he was striving for giving his people peace. He was striving to give balance to what was going on, to give them God's word. He felt like that's maybe his perspective that he was trying to do. Perhaps he thought he could do it best. He could do it better than anyone else. And maybe he's right. Maybe he really was the person that could declare all these things best and judge for his best what was going on. But Jethro could see something else going on. And maybe, as his father-in-law, he could tell because he'd known Moses a long time. He could speak some truth into Moses and And there might be a truth teller in all of our lives, someone that knows us really well, maybe a good friend, a spouse, that's trying to tell us something. Maybe it's about time we start listening. But this is what I I believe Jethro is seeing in in him. What you're doing, what, what are you trying to accomplish? What is your end goal? Are you really trying to deliver the people? Are you really trying to deliver the people and get them out of this Egyptian mindset and get them on to their next thing? What Jethro could see that Moses was actually doing is he was tying them to a new burden, tying them to a new leader. They had to go, everything had to go through Moses for any answer to happen. Moses, in his efforts to help his people, was actually limiting what God might do through them. Moses perhaps wanted control. 
There's something satisfying about being the judge. Being right. Being in control. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're one of those people that really likes things under your control. Like you like having things lined up in a row and you say exactly how it happens, happens. Perhaps Moses felt the satisfaction by having all these people come to him and getting things all lined up through him. And that was going to be keeping the people of Israel from developing into who they needed to be. Jethro could see that these people were becoming more and more dependent upon Moses and not the God that they were serving. The focus was becoming on Moses. Practically speaking, the, the, it had changed. It had changed from Moses helping to focus on Moses. One day with Moses was all that Jethro needed for him to realize this is not heading in a good direction. Sometimes fresh eyes are the best eyes. And we realize we are not where we should be. And Jethro realizes that in order for Moses to be who he needed to be as a leader, things would need to change. He asked this question, and the question I think would be the best question that we might come from this morning would be, what are you really trying to accomplish here? Why are we doing the things we're doing? In, in, maybe if you put, frame it with the heart question, what is your heart really striving for? If you would look inside your heart, if, if we were looking inside Moses' heart, if we were looking inside of all of our hearts, what would we say is our heart's desire more than anything? I sometimes... Say, if, if you were to look at my calendar on my, my phone, that, that probably tells you as much as anything what I'm really striving for. If you were to follow me through the week and find out what I spend my money on, that's what my heart is striving for. It would probably be good for all of us to, to take a look back on our week that was, on our day that was. What is really significant and important to us? What is really important to Moses in this situation? But that's... Really, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to accomplish? So Jethro starts by asking that question, and then he clarifies some things. If you look in verse 19, Listen to me now, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. There is something that Moses in that particular situation needed to do. He needed to be the people's representative to God. He, in that case, because there was no Holy Spirit, there was no written copy of the Word of God, they needed a representative to go before them, between them and the Lord. We're in a different time in a different place. The difference, one of the biggest differences that we're in now is that we can go directly to God, and I would say also, no one can go to God except for us. Between us and Him, we are the ones that are representatives. Who presents our heart to God? We do. We can talk to God ourselves. 
we can go right before him. Where, where our hearts used to need to go and our, had to go through a priest, had to go through a representative, had to go through all these things, now we can stand and we can go before God directly. And a right relationship with God is going to s- flow from us going right before him. Where exactly, who is, who is representing us before God? Now, I am glad that we're here. We are in fellowship. We are connected to one another. And it's so good for us to be here. But I do not speak for you. I pray for the people of Bethany, and I, I hope you're praying for me. We pray for one another. I hope we are encouraging one another. I hope we lift one another up. But who represents us before God? We go directly to him. We have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for us, and now he is the one that points us to a better way. So our hearts can be in a better spot. We can have thankful hearts, and that sets the stage. It builds the foundation of being right with God. And then we can go directly to God. So we can strive for having this heart condition that's right with him. But finally, what, what do our hearts look like? We finish this story, this story in, in Exodus 18, with Jethro pointing out, if you're going to move forward, these are the things you should be striving for. This is what your heart should be looking for. This is what your people should be looking for so we can get to where it might be. These are what our hearts look like. Starting with verse 21. But Jethro tells Moses, But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Men who have, um, appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all the time, but have them bring very difficult cases to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and the people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all of Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. If you look carefully at, at Exodus chapter 18, Verses 21, he tells the kind of heart, the kind of character that might be going on in the people that God is working through well. It starts with choose people that are capable. We should be bringing about and looking for ways to become the capable people. We can encourage capable people to rise to the top. We develop a respect in this world for those that shows Um, what we can do, and when people ask of us, they can do that. Within our church here, we ask capable people to help with our worship, with our media, and with our sound. In our world, who do we go to? We go, like right now, if, if we're getting our taxes done, we go to people that we trust and we can hope they can guide, you know, handle that. We, we should look for that capable person. I would say, unfortunately, in our world, Sometimes we only care about the capability. Sometimes we only care about somebody's ability, but there's more to it than that. Jethro goes on to say, instead of just focusing on capable people, there should be something else going on as well. Honest men. 
God really cares about honesty. When we consider who might be looking at our hearts and who we bring closest to ourselves, do we choose honest people to be close to us? Lies are everywhere, aren't they? Don't we hear those stories all the time about people lying? It's, it's going on all the time. Will people from Bethany be different? Will we be different? I hope so. Next it says to fear God. Do we fear the Lord more than we might fear what people might be about? These are all things that our hearts might look like. Finally, it says, pick people or choose people to be your guides. Pick people, when you look at their hearts, that they hate bribes. They hate dishonest gain. That story became very apparent this last week in America. Did you hear about the college admissions process? What were people doing? They wanted what was best for their children, maybe? Or maybe they wanted a name for themselves? I don't know if we know their motives. I don't know what the motives were, but clearly they, they went out a, a, a different way than should have. If we're honest with ourselves, we realize it's not just those people out there. We might do those same kinds of things. We can find ways to shortchange processes that dishonest gain that is out there, and it's easy, you know, we see the celebrities on the screen, and oh, those wealthy people, they shouldn't have done what they, they did. But instead of just looking at them, it would be good for us to look at our own hearts and say, am I striving for some kind of dishonest gain? Am I shortchanging a process? If there's a truth that we know we should be living, I look at this passage and I, why does God write these things in there? He writes these things in here because why? Most of us would choose to shortchange. Most of us, if we're honest, could fall into dishonest gain. If we're not careful, we will do the exact same things. Certainly we can look out there and say they were so bad, but if we're if we're not careful, we can fall into the exact same thing. Moses, a man of God, is about to put his country on a new course. He's going to point them in a new direction, show them a new way to live. And in order, Jethro knew something that would be good for all of us to remember. If we're going to grow and develop into the people that we know that we should be, there's some certain things that need to be going on. If as a people, as a people of Bethany, as believers, God is not just saying, oh, let's see what happens and see. No, he's, he's giving some really good direction on how we might live our lives. If you look through chapter 18, there's a foundation that is built. Let's be thankful people. Let's start with being thankful people. Look inside of our hearts and are we a thankful people? If, if someone were to look at your life, do we look different than most of the rest of the world because we are grateful and thankful for what is going on around us? The next thing that we might do is we might, who's representing us to God? I think Christians can fall into this just as easily as anyone. We go to a church service or we, we, we do some little token of action and we expect God to then maybe put us on a higher scale or something. 
But I would tell you, no one can represent us before God except for us. How much do we care about where our relationship with God is? Where is our heart in all this? Do we want our relationship with God to be the finest? Do we care about more than that than what the people around us are doing? But finally, when we look at our hearts and what are we striving for, are we, are we, these, are, are we the character of the people that God is, is looking for? What was God looking for back then? I think he's looking for the same things today. Honest men, people that fear God, don't accept bribes, bribes, not looking for dishonest gain. The people of Bethany and, and us, we might be a different people. When I first came to Bethany, I was just kind of looking around. How do we do things? What's important? What do we do? And if you walk into the lobby of, of Bethany Church, there's only one thing that we really have hanging in there that, with a lot of words on it. Have you seen this? It's our communications covenant. So when you walk into our lobby, and if someone were to visit our church, it says on there something that we value. There's, there's not a cross in there. There's, there's, there's a sign for the bathrooms in the nursery. So that's important to know, right? It's good to know where those things are. But there's a communications covenant. We put that in there. Bethany has put that in there. Why? Because we believe certain things are really important. And I would also say certain things that are really important, we don't always do. When I say we, I, I mean people don't always do. There is a better way to live, and God is showing us a better way to live. Exodus chapter 18 is this better way to live. Our world needs that. As our world goes into this place where less of us and less and less of us are able to, to really hear from God, or less of us are satisfied with life, this is the time and this is the place where we can live differently and be a, a spokesperson for our world. I hope that one of the things that comes out of today's message is when that question was posed to Moses, maybe it's the same one, what are we really trying to accomplish here? That might be something we ask of ourselves and reassess, maybe repoint ourselves for a new direction. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for Exodus chapter 18 and how it points us to living a better way being on track with your desire for our hearts to be in the right spot. Lord, I pray that we could strive for that thankful heart, that heart that seeks you more than any other. And it, we're, we're trying to align ourselves with the kind of people that you want us to be. And Lord, this world's got a lot of things that are wrong. It's, it's got a lot of things that are mixed up and, and people have manipulated situations. But Lord, I pray we can be different, not for our glory or uh, making make it no more better. It's it's we have a savior and we have a guide, we have a guidebook that shows us a better way to live. I pray that that is what happens through the people of Bethany and to us today. Thank you for this chance to be together. I pray that you would um, remind us even this week what it means to walk and step with you. In Jesus' name, Amen.